Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in the program, we talk to Stephen Gallagher from just outside Bishopstown regarding the Board Beer Marketing Fellowship, which he's taking part in. And a warning, the Department of Agriculture has told the public to be on guard against any sign of avian influenza, the bird flu. The department say that they are highlighting important information about avian influenza, bird flu. The advice follows confirmation of H5N1 variety of avian influenza in seabirds at a number of locations across the country. Any sightings or findings should be phoned through to 01492 8026. That's 01492 8026. A reminder, of course, the ploughing is taking place on 20th, 21st and 22nd of September at Rathniski. And that's going to be a great attraction for the public. But first, Stephen Gallagher from just outside Bishopstown in Cork looks at the Board Beer Marketing Fellowship and also the connection with the UCD, Michael Smurfett, Graduate Business School. The marketing fellowship that I've been on now for nearly 18 months is, is essentially a, a combination of a fully funded master's, which you get from UCD, Michael Smurfett, Graduate Business School, as well as um, some underground experience uh, in a designated market. Uh, these places could be New York, ranging from there to London, Amsterdam, uh, Dusseldorf, Dubai, and uh, what you do then on the ground there is that you just work for several clients. Uh, you, you get assigned a portfolio of clients. Uh, they, they match you with your skills that they see in the CV, and they align it with the needs of what the clients have, and then they place you somewhere in market. And so the process is that you, you're, you're doing this on the ground work for these clients. It can range from marketing to business development uh, to just doing like market analysis, strategy planning, etc. And these activities uh, are aligned with a study for masters, as I said. So you do that in conjunction with with those activities. Um, it's all very accessible. It's all, it sounds very uh, very busy uh, as a schedule, but uh, the the program has been around for about ten or eleven years now, if not even more. So they have a strong experience in regards to understanding what. Their students need in regards to time management as well, and uh, the projects that you get assigned from the lectures are very, you know, very manageable in, you know, in conjunction with the actual activities that you undertake for your clients. So basically, it's it's great because you get this uh, really really strong education, which is highly relevant to the industry that you want to be working in anyway. 
and then as well you get this real practical experience that you can apply um, in your everyday and you, you, you have a real broad range of, of skills that you can apply then for or that makes you more employable after the program so that's why you know I, I've really enjoyed this kind of uh, synergy uh, between both uh, education as well as practical uh, implication as well so yeah that's that's where we're at at the moment. And Stephen, is there a deadline for people, for listeners now, who feel perhaps they qualify and they'd like to check it out further? So perhaps you might give us a website or a contact. And indeed, very important for all of these things, not to spend too long considering, because I believe there is a closing date approaching fairly soon in a matter of days. Yeah, that's correct. So applications close on the 25th of September, um, and that will be 5 p.m. by the time you need to have your application in for. Uh, so you, you, you'll be able to see everything on the BoardBia website. If you just type in BoardBia Marketing Fellowship online, uh, everything should come up for you, and you'll you get um, you know, a thorough step-by-step um, process on how to apply and what people are looking for, etc. cetera. Uh, usually the, the program is intended for graduates with about two to three years work experience. Um, it's important to note that uh, you can have experience in various fields. So obviously, you know, we're working to, do, to develop business um, in the agri-food sector for, for Irish companies. However, I myself have come from a, a tech background and I had relevant sales experience, and then I still managed to get a place on the program. So a, a lot of it um, should not be discouraged, discouraging people uh, to apply for the program if you're coming from a completely different background, be it, as I said, tech or hospitality or anything at all. You know, a, a lot of times if you have the right attitude and if you have... Um, confidence and somewhat abilities to be able to communicate with people and to be able to execute on a plan you know you don't have to be an expert uh, in a particular field to be able to be successful at this role and that's that's a really great thing for me and why I did this program was because I wanted to I had education in food business um, I attended college in UCC and I, I got a grounding there, but then I went into this kind of tech space, which was great, but I wanted to bridge that gap again and make myself more employable in the food and drinks industry for Ireland and agricultural as well. So that was exactly what happened here because I am now someone who has built up the skill set coming from a you know very little experience before, um, but I applied the skills that I had to my everyday um, activities that I needed to do for my clients and I also got so much education through the actual master's program that I did so that's why you, you should not be discouraged if, if you uh, think that you have the right attitude and, and, and a bit of experience under your belt um, that you can execute on a plan with like business development or marketing then uh, you should absolutely go for it. Is there a limit on numbers in terms of numbers? How many people can qualify normally? Every year, the intake varies. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that you say that because um, some markets, you know, you might be seeing a bit more traction there and that might, you know, have to do with previous successes uh, from the previous year. So, you know, sometimes people need three or four fellows in one market and then sometimes, you know, people might enter a whole new market where there's enough demand, let's say um, client companies are getting onto board beers saying, look, we have real, real strong interest and we have 
a good reason for thinking that we could be successful in market. Um, so not, nothing is off the table, so to speak. So there's never like a fixed intake. Um, so like it's just it's just really depending on the de- demand. And I, I do believe that for Irish uh, food and drink, uh, demand is growing everywhere. So it's it's a good time to to be doing something like this, you know. But could you please a remind our listeners about the closing date uh, coming up and whether there will be any expense involved working towards this goal of a fellowship of a board, be a marketing fellowship? Again, the applications close on the 25th of September 2022, so that's at 5pm when you should have your your application submitted. And um, just to give you an overview in regards to, let's say, expenses, for example, so as I I had mentioned, the, the master's qualification from UCD Michael Smurfer Graduate Business School is a fully funded uh, qualification that, that's being supplied by Borbia. And um, so it's a scholarship element. And then you also get a monthly tax-free bursary. So that will that will accommodate or help your cost of living, essentially, from month to month. It'll pay for your accommodation, etc. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a really, um, really good salary, which can keep you can keep you going month to month um and also you know when it when it comes to out of you know out of the, the usual activity kind of expenses you can expense those back with your clients of course and there's also support from working from home for example so you know there might be some of the some of the costs be covered uh, in regards to wi-fi or your work phone expenses you know you get a you get a laptop uh which is really good um, so there's a, there's a lot of like added benefits that make sure that your life when you do go abroad, uh, you know that you're looked after. You know that you're, you're not struggling month to month, so to speak. So yeah, it's a it's a great element. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Stephen Gallagher from just outside Bishopstown in County Cork. Thank you, Stephen, very much indeed. Thanks very much for having me, John. The ICSA Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, AGM, is taking place at the West Lodge Hotel Bantry on Tuesday, 27th of September at 8pm. It'll be followed by a farmers' information meeting about the new cap rules and eco-schemes and a particular concentration on problems and questions regarding the new acres scheme. Also to be discussed, carbon credits and an update on the legal situation. That's the ICSA AGM, 8pm, West Lodge Hotel Bantry, Tuesday, 27th of September. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine and the HSE Public Health Department are highlighting important safety information Regarding avian influenza bird flu, this advice follows confirmation of avian influenza A, bracketed H5N1, in wild seabirds at a number of locations across the country. Anyone finding a dead or dying bird under suspicious circumstances may phone the following number for information. 01492-8026. That's 01492-8026. The department and HSE emphasise that properly cooked poultry meat and eggs do not pose any food safety risk. Do not touch sick or dead wild birds. Report sightings of sick or dead wild birds. Keep pets away from wild birds. Avian influenza is a highly infectious disease for birds. 
anyone travelling from an area known or suspected to be affected with avian influenza or where wild birds have been found dead should not come into contact with poultry or captive birds or pets without prior cleaning and disinfection of clothing and footwear. It's vital that poultry owners and keepers of captive birds would maintain the highest standards of biosecurity to protect their birds. Strict biosecurity remains the number one preventable measure to block avian influenza getting into poultry or captive bird flocks. Further information is available on the department's website at the following. All lowercase www.gov.ie forward slash bird flu bird flu one word. That's www.gov.ie forward slash bird flu or you may phone the following number for further information on how to deal with any dead bird you find under suspicious circumstances and that number is 01492 8026. Origin Green, Ireland's food and drink sustainability programme, has awarded 55 food and drink companies gold membership in recognition of their industry-leading sustainability ambitions in 2022. Seven core companies were awarded gold membership at the event, and they were our own sponsor, Dairy Gold Food Ingredients, Bantry-based Seafoods, Clonakilty Food Company, Hassett's Bakers and Confectioners, Nutrition Supplies, Staunton Foods Limited and Velo Coffee Roasters. Congratulations to all of the recipients. A reminder, the ICSA AGM is being held at the West Lodge Hotel Bantry Tuesday 27th of September 8pm. There will also be a farmers meeting to discuss all of the CAP programmes. On 12th of September, the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlow, confirmed that under the Pig Exceptional Payment Scheme 2, PEPS 2, that €13 million Euro has commenced distribution. On 14th, of September, on 14th of September, the government approved submission to the European Commission of the European Maritime Fisheries and Aquaculture Fund 21-27 to inclusive, the Seafood Development Programme. The Seafood Development Programme, which will now be subject to adoption by the EU Commission, is worth up to €258.4 million Euro and will make available significant funding to the seafood and marine sectors. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell and Minister of State for Land Use and Biodiversity, with special responsibility for horticulture, Senator Pepper Hackett, on the 9th of September, confirmed payments under the Horticultural Exceptional Payment Scheme, HEPS, had started to issue to eligible applicants. Payments to growers will continue to issue through the month of September as applications are processed. HEPS is a support measure worth €2.8 million, Euro, funded from Ireland's allocation for exceptional adjustment aid to producers in agri-sectors, which have been impacted by Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, as announced by the European Commission on 23rd of March. Amid a costs crisis and just ahead of the National Ploughing Championships and Budget 2023, IFAC, Ireland's farming food and agribusiness specialist professional services firm, released its 2022 Food and Agribusiness Report. Mr David Layden is Head of Food and Agribusiness at IFAC. David, welcome to the programme. What do the letters IFAC actually stand for? Hi, John. Um, good to be on the show. So IFAC stands for the Irish Farm Accountancy Cooperative. So we're a co-op founded 
over 45 years ago to work with farmers, food businesses and agribusinesses on accountancy matters, tax, strategic advice. So a long time around with a very good presence in Cork and the food and agribusiness report that we've just released, as you say, it is our fifth food and agribusiness report and it's basically taken the sentiment of food and agribusiness owners in the sector and seen how they're feeling about everything from their optimism levels through to recruitment, digital transformation, R&D, and indeed bank finance. What does the IFAC 2022 Food and Agribusiness Report say about optimism levels across the sector? That's amongst the companies, the companies producing Irish food and the agribusiness sector, as opposed to the farming sector, the sector where the farmers are producing the raw material. But we're talking about Irish food and agribusiness companies. The level of optimism. This is very much testing the sentiment of food business owners, so manufacturers of food like yogurts, for example, and agribusinesses, for example, ag tech businesses or machinery companies. So with this cohort of people, so it's not farmers, with this cohort of people, their optimism levels have dropped to a five-year low of 54% being optimistic. And that's a 23 percentage point drop on last year's um, result. And I guess we can all understand it. Their energy bills are really getting out of control. Their input costs have increased basically across the board. 84% of businesses have experienced an input cost increase. Stock management is getting more difficult. Recruitment and retention is challenging. Brexit is still there. People are still concerned about the protocol and what's going to happen. And then access to raw materials um, is under pressure, especially from the UK. And it means that lead times have increased and indeed costs have increased. Your 2022 IFAC Food and Agribusiness Report is entitled The Big SME Squeeze. Now, our sponsor, Dairy Gold, Cooperative Society, would they, as an Irish food and agribusiness sector, be included in your survey of how things were in 2022 and how the situation is now developing? I'll tease out the word SME first. So, Dairy Gold, I hear, sponsor your programme. Dairy Gold aren't part of this cohort. So the Dairy Golds, Glambias, bigger organisations aren't part of the group that we surveyed. We were surveying those companies that are have a turnover of a couple of hundred thousand to 20, 25 million euro, right? So they're a smaller type business. Um, and the squeeze that we're talking about is exactly that. You know, they're being squeezed on costs all the time and they're struggling then to increase their prices at the other side so their margin is getting tighter and tighter. And the bad news, I guess, for consumers from a food business perspective is food prices are definitely going to continue to increase because the food manufacturers that we surveyed won't be able to um, keep going without getting price increases because they don't have the margin in the business to keep going. What would the challenges be to these SMEs which you cover in your report in great detail? Well, if I was to hone in on one particular challenge, it is the energy crisis. And I guess the budget in two weeks' time is a really, really critical moment for these SMEs where they've experienced 100% plus increases in, in their energy costs. If the government can't give some clarity or security for the coming winter to those energy costs, 
um, we would definitely be worried about a number of the businesses going out of business. So that, that is definitely the number one item on the agenda at the moment is energy costs and everyone is focused on the budget that's coming up in two weeks' time. Climate change, the climate change action being taken, is that again impinging on the success of the SME? I mean, to have all these extra responsibilities, possibly? Well, it's a bit like all across society. Um, SME business owners are focused on climate change and they're taking, all, are taking a lot of sensible actions. For example, management of waste and byproducts is a key example. Sustainable packaging. So the consumer wants sustainable packaging from their food products and they are investing in sustainable packaging and they're engaging in energy saving initiatives like investing in solar. So 88% of the SMEs are taking some sort of a climate change sustainability action, which is very positive. Your report covers succession. This is succession now in terms of company ownership, passing on the company. In our programme, often succession refers to a farm, but we are talking about an Irish food or agribusiness company, succession and making a will, etc. In terms of the farm, that's one thing, but here we're talking about the SME businesses and I Look, we're seeing that it's not even on the agenda for 50% of business owners. You know, they're not given a thought. There's no interest from the next generation. There's no clear successor. These are all key barriers. And while succession is a big deal, what we did see um, in this report is that 40%, like 40% of business owners do not have a will in place. Now, that's an amazing number because that is really the basic step to take in terms of managing your assets after you pass away um so if there was any message from this call for anybody that's listening it is get the will in place of course and again the impact of these big german retailers on top of the uk people are they uh, beneficial to the country or are they imposing unfair challenges to our native industry that's been developing over the years they have a positive role if we view them properly um, complex enough question. If you're trying to feed a family of three or four youngsters on a very limited budget, you might be delighted to have a German retailer in your town. And that's very understandable. Um, in terms of the food manufacturers that who we work with, they are certainly, they're fine to deal with generally, but they have certainly depressed the price um, over the past, say, decade and a half. And they've certainly put pressure on the other big three, Tesco, Dunn's and Musgrave or Supervalue um, to, to price match with Lidl and Aldi. So it is a, it's a very, very, very competitive food space and the manufacturer of food um, has a big challenge when he's going into negotiations um, with, the, with the retailers. So that's a very big issue um, that we come across. And, you know, part of what IFAC wants to do is to help those food manufacturers and build up their capacity. And It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. ...for having those hard negotiations and conversations with retailers, but there's no question um, that that is a very, very competitive space. As we come into a recessionary time, um, we'll see private label, so gaining a lot of traction. So that's that can be good and bad for food manufacturers, but there's less margin in private label, but probably more volume. So there's a real, for, for those business owners, for he or she that's running these businesses, there's some big strategic decisions to take as we move into a new phase of the Irish economy, which we're moving into rapidly. And again, when we discuss uh, German or UK or French or other foreign uh, retailers, uh, big retail chains, we must remember, of course, that we are a country who rely to a large extent on our food exports operated through the agribusiness section of Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. And while local provenance is lovely and it's great to, you know, eat food that's produced locally, um, it's, it, anybody in agriculture knows that it would be short-sighted to be too um, wholesome about um, local provenance. We really do export 90% of our milk, and that's particularly significant for, for, for your listenership, and we, we export 90% of our beef. So we are a food export nation. We're very proud of that. Um, so we just need to bear that in mind when we're talking about local provenance. And you're really touching off um, the whole area of services available to rural Ireland, and it really is a case of use them or lose them. So there's probably a balance there between maybe part of your shopping taking place in a major retailer um, at a certain price point, but, but more of your shopping taking place more locally. You know... We all, like IFAC is an absolutely rural business. We're based in every part of the country. Um, we are massive supporters of rural Ireland, um, but, and, and full stop. So we do need to support local. There is, no, there is no question about it. But on the food export side, we also need to be conscious that we do export 90% of our dairy product, product and 90% of our beef product. If we don't support smaller enterprises who perhaps uh, contribute to local activities and GA functions, etc., you could have a situation rather like the banks. People were taking to online banking, yet they were shocked to find they couldn't withdraw cash from an, an ATM machine. So I think it's very important to size up the situation very carefully and not just automatically assume because you're driving to a, a huge um, supermarket that on balance your interest might be better served by supporting where at all possible the smaller enterprise local 
enterprises of any sort, be it local bank branches or local post offices. It's not all about travelling to the bigger town. It is the town has come into our pocket through the phone and most people now are welded to their phone and they have every sort of a shop available on the phone. So the digital purchasing is also impacting on rural Ireland and in terms of the services that are available as well. So um, look at John, it's a complex topic. It's not something we went into in the report. The report is very much focused on the here and now for food and agribusinesses and how to move through, you know, the next year, year and a half, which is going to be high inflation, interest rates increasing, um, supply chains challenged, and energy very expensive. Speaking to Mr. David Layden, Head of Food and Agribusiness at IFAC, David, strategic planning, what evidence is there of strategic planning, and is strategic planning very important in our present situation and viewing the at least medium-term future? It is, and and we see that about a quarter of businesses, a quarter of the SMEs have a strategic plan that they have developed and is in use in the business. Um, What we see is as a business tries to scale, get bigger, improve their margin, improve the business, um, the strategic plan becomes more important. Um, A lot of smaller businesses don't have a strategic plan. It's often in the owner's head, and... But we would be strong believers in the benefit of just taking a little bit of time away from the day-to-day to think about the future, to think about your product range, to think about what markets you want to serve, to think about how the consumer is changing. Um, and that all feeds into um, the strategic plan. And that forward planning is, we believe, vital. All bigger businesses do it. Um, it's necessary in smaller businesses as well. How could people find out more and actually read the detail of your big report? Well, John, it's very simple. It's 54 pages um, and it's available on ifac.ie, so ifac.ie. That's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. David Layden, Head of Food and Agribusiness at IFAC. Thank you very much indeed, David. Thanks a million. Thank you. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Declan O'Brien, Senior News Correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Declan, welcome to the programme. Now, the lead story of the Irish Farmers Journal, your banner headline is Fines of €250 for Missing Cattle Tags. What's the background to that? Primarily to do with um, the traceability and animal identification elements of um, the um, inspection process. There's changes in the inspection process has moved um, animal identification away from cross-compliance. The department is saying we still are going to have to carry out these um these inspections, but um, as against how the penalties were applied historically, this is a new system. In the past, the department, if your um, tagging wasn't correct or your animal register wasn't correct, you were penalised on your basic payment. So they took, generally it was 3% of the basic payment as a penalty. Because um, animal identification is no longer part of the cross-compliance regime, these penalties will now be issued as fixed penalty notices the department is proposing. And what um, the value of of, of the penalty 
is €250. So, Declan, this looks like, as the journal points out and you pointed out in your article, it looks like a graduated system, a kind of a regime similar to speeding fines. And this, of course, is very serious now because you have to be aware of the different situation and it's good that farmers would you know, be aware of what's being discussed and more than likely being fully implemented fairly soon. Yes, well, what, what they're saying is this new regime is going to come in from January with the new cap. And what it's kind of confirming is that animal identification, tagging, um, keeping your register up to date is still going to be a critical part of farmers' operations. That there is going to be, there's not going to be a situation whereby because animal identification is no longer a cross-compliance issue, that farmers are going to get a free pass in it. They're going to get, um, I suppose, nearly on-the-spot fines, but they'll be fixed um, penalty notices. And what the department also has um, intimated is that farmers who don't pay these fines could could end up in court, and they are likely to face um, further inspections. So it, they're saying, look, it's going to be in your interest to pay these. Now, the system has not got total clearance yet, but these are proposals coming down the line from the department. And there's a very good chance they could be and will be implemented in January, either in the form being discussed or something fairly near to it. When the new regulations come in, to make sure you do your very best to comply with them, check with your advisor, make sure you understand that you are complying, because if you don't, well, unfortunately, then you're going to end up with possibly further inspections. Far better just go with the flow at this stage, and when the new things come in, hopefully, or not till January, give people a breathing space. But certainly farmers who might be involved to make sure they understand what the new situation is. And the journal, of course, is tipping off people. Check it out. See how you're involved. How will this affect you? That's correct. It is um, a proposal, but it just confirms, I think, that the um, that, um, animal identification, keeping your register up to date, are still going to be critical going forward for farmers. And without the backup of the cross-compliance um, inspections that the department are, are, are going to still continue to enforce the need to tag and register all livestock on the farm. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Declan O'Brien, Senior News Correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Declan. And if people get the journal and read the banner headline story and make sure that in their own interest, in their enlightened own self-interest, they would be aware of what could be coming down the line. But with the new cap when it comes in, things are only going to get tighter. But if you keep your register and every other requirement up to date, well, then you'll make life easier for yourself in the long run and avoid what you talk about would be the risk of further inspections, court appearances, more time away from actual farming and looking after your enterprise. That is for sure. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr Brendan Smitty, Dairy Advisor, Chagask 
not Griffin Middleton in County Cork. First of all, Brendan, welcome to the programme. Now, Brendan, looking at grassland, what would you see as the main objectives that we should be uh, looking at and trying to achieve in terms of grassland? Uh, and I suppose, look, across the region, we have a variation, um, you know, depending on, on, on basically where people have come from a, from a drought problem for the last number of weeks. Um, in the drier parts, I suppose people are in recovery mode and look, as I say, maybe look, as I say, further north and further west, um, some people maybe, you know, have, have got sufficient rainfall are, are, on, are on normal. Um, look, the thing for the people that I suppose that are coming from the drier parts of, of the region is look for the, to use the next two weeks to build covers on the farm, um, you know, as I say, having come on the back of the drought. Depending on the severity of burning on farms, look, some farms have started a recovery at this stage, um, you know, and some where they kind of had burned very badly, it has taken a while for them to green up and they're just look lag- lagging that little bit behind at the moment. Um, we, uh, like normally, we would talk about, you know, for people that are into covers, um, you know, a, a thousand kilos, um, you know, would be would be the cover, you know, at a cow to the acre, like at two and a half livestock units per hectare at this stage. Um for a lot of farms that, that look that that target is going to be exceptionally difficult, if not impossible, to achieve. So all, all people can do, maybe look, is to keep the brakes on, um, maintain um, supplementation levels, and use the good weather, use the slightly longer days and the heat that's in the ground to build covers. Um, you know, as I say, as high as they can, and then to kind of co- come from there, I suppose, through our normal autumn closing strategies. You know, which which will be kind of starting from early October onwards again. Leading into spring, the importance, of course, of spring. Well, look, I suppose, look, especially in look on all enterprise, but on the dairy scene, like grass, you know, is probably much more valuable feed in the springtime than it than it, than it is in late autumn. No. The number one, number two, I suppose. Look, the management that's adopted, you know, for for the remaining remainder of this year. Um, look, and probably more importantly, in the next couple of weeks, you know, in terms of trying to build covers and then build a rotation from here out, you know, out, out into November in terms of a closing strategy, is the one that facilitates, you know, putting grass onto the farm in the springtime. So, you know, while we're in two calendar years, what we do know will have a big impact on on, on the spring from there. Um, and I suppose. Look, it it is uh, you know while the weather has you know has turned and grass is growing, you know some people maybe are inclined to reduce supplementation levels. Now, um, look as I say, while we all want to get back to the, the level of reducing supplementation levels, it's just you know to do it in a managed way, to do it in a way that you know that facilitates building a bit of cover, basically setting the farm up for the autumn. And look as I say. It's down to maybe just getting out there, walking the farm, seeing how growth rates are matching demand at the moment. Um, and, you know, I suppose the simple bit in terms of trying to build cover is you're just keeping demand below the growth rate. So that surplus growth that's there is helping across all of the area that you're farming and is building, you know, the, the volume of feed ahead of you, you know, to take, to take the farm through the next two months. And, Brendan, looking forward now to the fast-approaching winter regarding winter fodder budgets. I know budgets, uh, people are talking about all kinds of budgets, financial budgets, but uh, farmers are used to you know, winter fodder budgeting. What's the likely situation to be this winter, and uh, can people do anything to cope with it, to make sure that you know, they're on the right side of having enough feed for those um, productive animals they're keeping over the winter? 
Yeah, well, look, you know, as you mentioned there, John, in relation to the financial look, and there's a lot of talk on that. But as look, every farmer at this stage should basically measure up their silage pits um, and assess the quantity of material that's in them. Look, the number of bales of silage that have been made and hay, um, straw, basically, look, whatever, you know, straw, maize, and assess what total quantity of winter feed um, is available on the farm. Now, the, and then, as against that, you know, assess or, you know, put into what, what's the planned level of stock, you know, in terms of stock, cold stock being taken out, you know, stock being bought in and things like that. And is there enough winter fodder there to feed all of those animals? Bearing in mind, I suppose, what I've said on the grassland, given that we're, as of now, we're starting probably with less grass on most farms out there, um, you know, and we talk about supplementation levels going in, there will be probably a level of silage kind of being fed to animals, you know, for the next two, three, four weeks, you know, on many on many farms. So there, some of the winter feed, you know, um, and in some farms, a lot of winter feed has already been fed, Um some second cut silages were, were, were a little bit lighter than anticipated. Um, so the winter, I suppose the winter feed just needs to be ring fenced and, you know, assess what's there, put in place a plan for the full length of winter. You know, for some people, look, that'll be five or six months of a winter. So ensure that there's enough feed in there. Now, and I suppose, you know, when you take, I suppose, the winter feed side and what I was speaking about earlier on in relation to the grassland side of it, um, you know, what cutting strategy is there on the farm, you know, um, what's the animal sales strategy maybe for beef animals, are there some animals moving, you know, um, sooner or later in the system. Um, if one is under pressure for grassland, do maybe some of the cull animals, you know, get, get, get moved on a little earlier. Um, now, that basically just leaves a little bit more grass available currently. It also means that there's less silage being fed to those animals, you know, and, and it's, it balances it from there. So, again, look, it's a balancing act. It's assessing what's there. Um, what is saving a lot of people, I suppose, is that, you know, that there was silage carried over like last winter, you know, was probably re- re- relatively kind. There was silage left over, you know, which, which was there as an opening stock on the farms this year. Look, and that's the cushion that maybe many people have. But look, again, that will just need to be put back in place again for, for the coming year. Um, and look, as I say, like all budgets, if look, if there's issues there, look, as I say, and if anybody has any difficulties, look, talk to their advisors or whatever in relation to going through the figures, but just put a plan in place. Look, there's options and opportunities, there's straw, there's beef, you know, um, look, there's feeds and things like that. So there, now is the time to plan, you know, and put a plan in place because it's much easier to put a plan, a plan in place at the start rather than kind of, you know, as I say, on the other side of Christmas when, the, when there's less of the winter and you have less opportunities to deal with, to deal with issues or surpluses or, or deficits at that stage. And, of course, Brendan, when we talk about um, financial matters, I mean, even if the output prices are very good, even if you're getting good money for what you're producing, we'll say, in your dairy sector, nonetheless, you have these escalating high costs going out through the roof. Uh, Your tax bill, not to be forgotten about, that's uh, their hibernating, waiting for payment. But with all that taken into account... Is there any chance that farmers can put anything into a rainy day fund? So looking at the overall financial situation, what would the various key components be for you, Brendan Spitty, as a dairy advisor, talking to yeah. your clients? Yeah, I suppose, look, um, this is the time of the year. Look, it has started and look, as uh, the tax, I suppose, meeting accountants. So at this stage of the year, tax returns are due in October. 
So there will be a significant number of meetings happening between farmers and their accountants, you know, over, over, over the next month. Some have happened already, you know, and, and this will be an ongoing process. It's to use that, I suppose, use that meeting. Look, as I say, the accounts generally are 12 months behind. But, you know, again, assess where the figures are at the moment and put a plan in place in terms of where, where we are going forward. As I say, John, look, tax bills, you look, as I say, we're dealing with last year. Again, currently we have this year, you know, the preliminary tax bills for this year. So what is the tax bill going to be on the farm, you know, and looking at the farming structures and things like that? It's a bill that has to be paid, you know, and put, put that in place. Again, look, I suppose, look, while milk prices, um, output prices, look, beef, um, grain, etc., are all very, very high. We, you know, as we head in, look, some people would have fertiliser maybe bought 12 months ago, um, you know, at a lot lower price than what they're buying it for today. So, you know, as we head into next year, um, for people that, you know, that are looking at buying inputs, look, and feed prices, look, for the back end of the year into next year, look, we don't know where they're going, but look, the very little is coming down at the moment. So it's a question of, I suppose, offsetting those higher costs, you know, as I say, and basically while the output price is carrying it, um, to just dealing, look, and modifying the system, you know, is stocking rate appropriate, you know, input levels are input levels appropriate for the output that's being achieved, is there a bit of fine-tuning to be done on the farm? And look, that will come from a financial point of view, but will also come, look, maybe for conversations that need to come back to advise, you know, between advisors maybe and accountants and farmers in relation to, you know, the state of the business from there. And like, look, I suppose at this stage, you know, maybe doing a preliminary set of accounts for the current year that, that we're in and forward planning where, where the thing is kind of coming. We have a new CAP program coming out. Look, we, you know, we, we have nitrates changes. There's a lot of new agri schemes and things like that coming in. So where are we planning the farm going forward? And I suppose, look, as against all that, you know, if, if, if you listen to, to the government and all these things, I suppose, you know, talk about energy bills and all these things. At the, at the other side, I suppose the safety valve, look, is having some bit of a rainy day fund, you know, and maybe, look, if there is surplus money around, making sure, look, that, that in every farm there is some, some bit of money being put aside, you know, to, to carry for those, I suppose, unexpected um, problems, you know, be they poorer prices or higher costs or some other blips that come in the system, that does something there to meet, to, to meet the system from there. So I suppose, you know, what it's coming down to is that I suppose farmers by their nature, you know, are very good on the physical and technical things, um, but maybe, you know, as I said, the financial one maybe lags behind, but to use that, 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 that meeting with the accountant, you know, as I said, to its maximum, you know, in terms of putting a plan in place for the farm, you know, in terms of putting solidity on the ground for going forward. Wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Brendan Smitty, Dairy Advisor, Chagas, Knock, Griffin, Middleton and County Cork. Thank you, Brendan, very much indeed. Thank you very much, Sean. That's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony, news editor, 96.3 FM News, and Mary Tuig, 96.3 FM News reporter, for contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. For you, the listener, a very special thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.